Jets fans, I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, different time, different night this week. Sorry about the, uh, the, the uh, last minute cancellation last week, or I should say Tuesday. Uh, we were going to do our show Wednesday and had some issues, so we pushed it back to Tedrick. It feels a little strange because the, the uh, Jets-Vikings game, which we will talk about, Seems a lot further away than than when we usually do the show. Cause it's only a couple days after the game by then. Now it's uh, everyone kind of ramped up about the Chicago game and put the Vikings game in the rearview mirror. But that doesn't mean there aren't some things we can cover and go over. It may even, it may even be a short show tonight for that reason. Uh, tonight or morning, afternoon, whenever you're downloading, listening, and we appreciate it. Look to the your day and uh, can't say it enough. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and make make this all worth it. Because uh, it's a good time, you know. It's it's always good to sit down, and vent, or 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 just think out loud, share thoughts about this team, the direction they're heading, the things they're doing right, the things they're doing wrong. So let's uh, let's get started. But first, uh, before I go any further, want to thank our sponsor, linebackers.com. <clears throat> As we know, balls back up and running, and for a lot of guys. That means start a donation season at your local sports book, but it doesn't have to be that way. Linebacker, they produce winning sports predictions based off thousands of game simulations. Easy to use, customized betting profile tells you which team to back and how much to bet. Our listeners can get twenty five get a twenty five percent discount on your first linebacker purchase when you use the pro when you use the promo code JetNation, J E T N A T I O N at linebacker.com. Sign up today for a free trial. Get winning picks to make more money. So give them a look, linebacker.com. So we're going to, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the loss to the Vikings, who stood out, who struggled, and uh, the the onslaught of injuries the Jets are dealing with right now. It's gotten kind of ridiculous, uh, especially the wide receiver position. They made some moves there and possibly some more moves in the future. So a lot going on, and... (laughs) Uh, you know, like I said, we'll get into the uh, we'll get into the Chicago game, preview that a little bit. But I think that could get uh, I think that's going to be an ugly one, folks. And I think most people feel that way. It's just kind of in the cards at this point. But let's let's start off with this Minnesota game. Jets lose thirty-seven seventeen, and the game. You know, one few times where you can say that the the game really was close, and the box score indicated um, at least up till the uh, start of the quarter. And let's face it. This defense was worn down. I've seen people trashing this defense uh, for their performance. I know even myself, I did the post-game report card on JetNation.com. And by the way, if you're not in the forums on JetNation.com, get in there. Uh, If you're a Jets fan and you like having your voice heard or getting different opinions from other fans, go to JetNation.com, check out the forums. Some fantastic people in there. Um, A few 
not so. Yeah, I actually, I actually heard someone term this really well today. Because um, I always, I always, there's like people say that people are fake fans. You're not a real fan. You know, if, if you, if you don't, if if you criticize the team, which I disagree with, you have to be able to criticize the team. But then you do get people who they call themselves fans, but but over time you realize, wow, it's been like five years I've heard this person say something good about the team. Um, I think those are people. They're more just people that follow the team. At some point, you're not a fan anymore because you're not really rooting for the team. Um, but those people, whether it's in the stands, on a from most people, because they're diehards, they love the team. They get frustrated. They vent their uh, they they vent their frustration on the forums. And you get to, listen. Jason did a for the Vikings game. I want to say fifty people delegated, drank beer, ate food, and all sat together at the game. Uh, looked like it was a great time. Wasn't able to make it, unfortunately. You know, the commute from the UK was a little much. But uh, but if you're not in the forums, check them out. Great time, great fans. JetNation.com. So, getting into the game, this Viking game, like we said, 37-17. And uh, it looked like going to be worse than that early on. Because the Vikings, they were the first possession. And they just marked right down the field, made it look way too easy. Um, four plays, went the distance, capped off with a 30-yard touchdown from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen. And I'll tell you what, the, the coverage on that play, damn near perfect. It was, I mean, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't textbook. But I'll tell you what, I watched that a few times. And, and that ball was just, you, you got to tip your cap to Kirk Cousins. Ball was thrown perfectly. It's you, you're talking about a third, fourth string corner who's going up against the guy who is arguably the number one receiver in the NFL right now. Not the number one receiver on the Vikings. You can make the case that this guy is the number one receiver in the NFL right now. And, uh, and that ball drops in, lands in his arms, and it's a, a few inches out of Dow Roberts' reach. Really, Dow Roberts' a big mistake today. And it's even tough calling it a mistake. You know, the coverage was was damn good. Um, and he, he was in position. It was just a fantastic throw. But that put the Vikings up 7 nothing. The Jets answered back uh, later on with a touchdown to Chris Herndon, his second in two weeks. Looks like looks like he's really settling in. Sam Darnold hit him on a two-yarder. And then we went to uh, 7 on a Vikings field goal with 10-13 remaining in the second. And then the Vikings went up on top. And that went to the half. I mean, this game was 10-7 at halftime, okay? And you're talking about a team facing Kirk Cousins. We all, you know, we all know his situation. Got $30 million or whatever a year from the Vikings because they because he's that good. Um, between him and the, the injury the Jets were dealing with, with the screen being out, Tremaine Johnson being out, um, and, and going up against uh, a couple of really high-quality receivers, that game could have gotten out of hand quickly. Jet defense, after that first drive, they really buckled down. Uh, I want to say the Vikings had eight or nine consecutive three and outs. They couldn't get anything going against Jets defense. Until the second half, Jets defense was a little bit worn down. We saw Latavius Murray get an 11-yard touchdown run. Then the 2 16 field, Bailey hit a 22-yarder. Myers did a 55-yarder. He's been, what a find he's been. Um, Game was still reasonably within reach, and then uh, Latavius Murray again. This time on a eight yarder to the left, that put him up, put the Vikings up twenty-seven ten, and that kind of sealed it. You knew at that point 
it was highly unlikely that they're going to come. They did get they did find the end zone again on a on a quarterback sneak from Darnold with ten twenty seven to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's a shame because he, he hit uh, Herndon for what looked like a touchdown again on the left side, and Herndon outstretched was able to tap the pile with the ball. But on replay, the, the call on the field was down on was shown Herndon's right heel, I believe it was. Touched the boundary. He was out of bounds. Donald went in from the one. Then we saw another, another purple from Cousins. I mean, a couple of those were just the, the touch, the both big touchdown passes, the four yarders. Uh, Some was Aldrick Robinson with Tremaine or not Tremaine Johns with Morris Claiborne in coverage, and just in the basket just out, just beyond uh, Claiborne's reach. And then Dan Bay hits a, a field goal with three twenty to remain to you know, just. To, Tack on a couple of points. The game wound down. So 37-17, Vikings win. What what went well for the Jets? What didn't? I mean, who who played well? Who uh, who cost them dearly? And it's it's tough to say really on defense because, like I said, that defense going be that under keep it that close for that long, you just got the feeling together and want to run. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, and, and that is what happens. And you see it all the time. If when, when you let a team hang around, especially a situation like this, where you, you know, the, uh, you know, the Vikings are the more talented team. You know, that it was going to take a, the Jets are going to have to stand in there toe to toe and, and find a way to, 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 to stick with them. They did it for a little while, but the defense eventually gave out. Um, I, I, Again, and looking back at the grades I gave them on the uh, the old post game report card, I was probably a little too rough on them. I handed out a lot of C's and D's, a lot of D's, I think. But uh, really, that that D line, the linebackers, they kept it close. Uh, one guy that stood out to me, he had maybe his best game. Um, again, that didn't register numbers, but, but Nathan Shepard uh, really had a couple pressures from what I saw. Had a he hadn't played. I tweeted this out earlier, which reminds me, I'm absolutely terrible at this. Never, never uh, send out my own Twitter handle um, at AceFan23. If you're not following me already, give me a follow at AceFan23. Um, I'll shoot out random notes, random stats, a couple clips from the All 22 every week, and any link will go up on JetNation.com. So. Give me a follow at AceFan23, A-C-E-F-A-N 23. That covers that. Give us a review, too, on iTunes. That's the other thing I never do. I think once every six to eight weeks, I remember to ask for people to leave reviews. Uh, the last time I checked, probably over a month ago, uh, we had a couple of nice, nice new reviews on there. People had some good things to say about the show, which is much appreciated. So if you get a minute, uh, either of those two things would be greatly appreciated. Both appreciated even more. So again, getting to the mission. Uh, again, full pressures. One of the one of the plays I tweeted out. He had did a really nice job in the Minnesota left tackle to the side on the handoff. He's on the running back. That was going to be a nice tackle for loss. And literally, uh, the the lineman, I believe it was the tackle who he beat, wrapped him up from behind and basically reverse suplexed him, like pulled him back, flipped him back, ripped him off the tackle. And Jamal Adams ended up being there to clean it up, and he got credit for the tackle for loss. But really, Nathan Shepard, that would have been a nice TFL for him. I saw him get through and get a couple pressures on uh, on Kirk Cousins. So it was a nice game for him. He's a guy who, I mean, let's face it, 
he's been a he's had a quiet start to his, his uh, first NFL season, which is to be expected. So when you have a D line coming out of a small school, it's a huge huge adjustment going from getting blocked by small school guys to getting blocked by NFL players. But he has done some things that kind of show he's coming along. He's showing up a lot more on film in terms of the first few weeks he was kind of invisible, but now we're now we're seeing him get at least to that next level where he's standing out a little bit. And you hope that uh, that next step is, isn't far behind where he can start, you know, making impact plays on a regular basis, because at the moment that's uh, he's not making those plays, but you can tell he's right there. He's knocking on the door. So hopefully we see more from him, but sticking on, sticking on the defensive side. And I mentioned it before, but man, Daryl Roberts, did that did that guy play the game of his life or what? I mean, he was off the chart. He, he was he was great. He was absolutely fantastic. I want to say he was targeted sixteen times. Actually, I just just as I was saying that, I pulled it up. He was targeted sixteen times. Gave up eleven catches, eighty-eight yards. So the first catch he gave up was thirty-four yards. So then on the next fifteen attempts. Minnesota got 54 yards, 54 yards on 15 targets. That's not a bad day. And like I said, even the one he gave up wasn't all that wasn't a, wasn't a terrible play. He had seven stops and runs up 10 tackles total, 10 solo, one assist, so 11 tackles, 10 solo. And uh, according to Pro Football Focus, who we like to pull up every now and then to see what they what they've got cooking, uh, they have him down for seven stops, which is what they constituted a, a loss for the offense. Generally. Normally, if you make a tackle at or behind around the line of scrimmage, not not a drag down tackle when a guy is seven yards downfield, but you got to stop. Um, so seven stops for Daryl Roberts. His his coverage was fantastic. I mean, best game of his career. I I, I said before the season that he's one of those guys that just kind of seems to manage to hang around, and he does. He's not really great. You kind of you, you just kind of look at him and say, it's time to look at somebody else because this guy does an okay job, but you know, is, has he reached his ceiling? Well, I'll tell you what, he was playing like he did this week. I mean, I just, I don't expect that. He's that, that he was, he played out of his mind, uh, but good for him. Great to see you guys step up when he gets an opportunity. He did a really good job. And um, listen, you, you can't say enough about it now. Now, of course he was playing because Tremaine Johnson and Buster screen are out. And now we're hearing uh, Buster screen is out of concussion protocol. And I saw Rich Zamini of ESPN New York earlier on tweet out that he thinks that the, the Jets will end up going with Buster Screen opposite Claiborne this week. I was honestly, the way that Rogers played, you reward that guy. You let him start, let Buster Screen be your slot guy, whatever you want to do. But, man, if you bench Darrell Roberts after that effort, that, uh, that's terrible. That sends a really bad message because, let's face it, Buster Screen hasn't been that good here. Um, Buster Screen hasn't been good for a lot of his Jets career. You know, I've talked about how last season he was, it was probably his best year as a Jet, or it was his best year as a Jet, where he was, you know, he was good but not great, had a couple of atrocious games, but for the most part was steady. Hasn't been the case at all this year. His, uh, he's looked bad on film. His PFF grade, I want to say, is through the floor, somewhere in the 40s in terms of just coverage. So if you're Todd Bowles and you have Daryl Roberts, who just came off that game, I don't see how you bench him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, or, you know, maybe work him in a little bit. But 
If I'm Bowles, I, I, Roberts is my guy until he shows that he shouldn't be. And let's screen and Nickerson alternate at, at, you know, out of the slot. However, you want to work that out. And uh, Nickerson's another one. He had, you know, he got beat a few times, gave up some catches, but he, uh, he also had some plays where he showed good reaction time, where he, you know, shut down, uh, gave up catches, but prevented any big yards after the catch, anticipated some throws well, and, and stopped some guys before they really got any yak. A um, couple times he was covering, I want to say it was Thielen or I forget who. He had a couple guys in the slot. They caught the ball and he bang bang like yards after the catch, short means. So he did, a, he did a good job. He's coming along. And you know, let's face it with the fact that uh, Buster screws like on after the season. I would love to see him come along and, you know, just, just keep getting better every week. He's another guy. Same, same with Shepard. Small school guy. You know, these small school guys, the adjustment is it's one thing to go from LSU to the NFL or, you know, one of these big time programs. And it's another to go from a, a small school, you know, and a lot of these guys are dealing with that this year. You know, Shepard, small school guy, Cannon, small school guy, um, Nickerson, small school guy, Fatakasi, who we haven't seen yet this year, small school guy. That's just kind of the way the Jets went with the draft this year. The pass rush or lack thereof, was uh, was an issue this week. Only one sack, I want to say, and that came from Brandon Copeland, who did, he did an all right job. But um, at the end of the day, when you look at these, uh, these, these linebackers they have that we all just keep hoping, I know me grasping at straws, hoping against hope, that, uh, that one of these guys breaks through. Very little production off the edge from Jordan Jenkins, from Copeland, you know, Frankie Lou, who still doesn't have a sack yet this year. Uh, Jeremiah Atochu, who we've talked about, didn't really do a whole lot this week. He's, I mean, he's been one of the better pass rushers on the, on the roster this season, but his reps were, were down quite a bit. I believe he only played, he, he didn't even hit 20. I think he was at 18 or 19 reps this week. So he didn't see the field a whole lot, which was, which was somewhat surprising because of the fact that they don't have anyone get to, to get to the quarterback and he's probably shown some of the best ability to do that. So it's 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 been it's been a gaping hole forever, and we know it, and we're used to it. And Manish Mehta wrote a story this week. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. I mean, everybody knew that the Jets were in on the the bidding for Khalil Mack, who landed in Chicago. So the Jets will be facing him this week. The Jets offered a, a first this year, second next year, in exchange for Mack, and there may have even been more to it. I forget off the top of my head, but they, they made a damn good offer. They made a really competitive offer to get Khalil Mack, but it just didn't happen, unfortunately. So the Jets will continue their search, and I, I still stand by. I know people say that this that the draft has to be about the old line. Round one after style. I, I feel like it's it's got an edge rusher in round one this year and then use those two thirds or even, you know, we've talked about this previously. If you use those two third rounders to trade up back into round two and get that left tackle in round two, that's fine. Um, but honestly, I, I, I think, I think they'd be in a nice situation to, to grab a player. You know, sometimes you see these, these tackle prospects who come in and play a year or two at guard I think that would be the situation. Let's pick up a great left tackle project. Let him play guard for a year when James Carpenter is gone. 
you give Kelvin Beachum another year of tackle, then the following year slide that go out the tackle, and then you get yourself a guard. Just a little food for thought. I just think for what Kelvin Beachum brings and for what he makes, I think he's worth keeping around for another year. I really do. I think that he's done a fantastic job for the team. I think he's given up one sack on the year. Um, last time I looked, you know, you know, talked about that. Everybody beat, you know. It, it, Calvin Beach gets beat, and people want to want to turn it into a gif and put it on Twitter and send it around and talk about how bad the O line is. And I, I won't get into it again. I, I think I've made my position on the O line fairly well known. They're a, they're you know they're an all right group. Although Spencer Long. Let's talk about Spencer Long for a minute. The snaps are still terrible. Out of the shotgun. Now we know that he's doing this with an injured hand. Now the team's been pretty quiet about just how injured his hand is. So we don't know if he's playing with with, with broken fingers, with strained ligaments. We have no idea. We just know that it's bad enough. I mean, listen, when when the Jets signed this guy and I went and watched a few games uh, of his with the Redskins, I didn't notice any issue with snapping out of the shotgun. I mean, this is an NFL center. How, how many? Think of how long you've been watching this game, and how many times have you seen an NFL center who consistently cannot snap the ball out of the shotgun? It just doesn't happen. Something's not right. Something right there. The Jets may be, you know, it may be in their best interest to sit him. He actually showed up on the injury report this week. I get what he's been on it um, pretty much all season because of recovering from the the leg injury. Now the, uh, the finger injury he's been dealing. With you know, the last few weeks. But the, the injury report is lengthy. And I think that the Jets would be, you know, I, I think it would be in their best interest to just sit Spencer Long. So let's let us let us go over it real quick, actually. Let's take a look at the Jets injury report. So Quincy Noon was listed as out. That comes as no surprise. He had the high ankle sprain. He was expected to miss a few weeks. Robbie Anderson. Now here's a big hit. Robbie Anderson, doubtful. Did not practice with an ankle injury. Tremaine Johnson did not practice. Doubtful. Spencer Long did not practice. He was originally listed as doubtful. He's now questionable. But really, in all honesty, not a huge fan of Jonathan Harrison. I don't think they like Dozier at center. But put one of those guys in there at center. And unless unless it's a complete catastrophe, just leave him in there. Give Long a couple weeks. Let him get healed up. And you got Mo Claiborne, who was limited, listed as questionable. Kevin Pierre-Louis, limited, questionable. Marcus May, limited, questionable. Kelvin Beecham, limited, questionable. If Kelvin Beecham doesn't start, and they have to put Brent Quale in at left tackle, if I'm the Chicago Bears and Khalil Mack is, is playing on a bad foot, I mean, what do you do? Do you just say, look, you can beat this guy for four sacks on one foot? Or do you just say, you know what? This team we're playing is so decimated that we don't need you this week, Khalil. We can win this game. You let yourself get healed up. You know, that by that because Khalil Mack is nursing an injury, hasn't had a sack for a couple weeks, and uh, from what I understand, it's a foot. So if Khalil Mack is that dinged up, if I'm the Bears, is it worth running him out there? Or do you look or do you look ahead on your schedule and say, We have much tougher teams coming up, let's sit this guy this week? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but what will not be interesting to see is Khalil Mack versus Brent Quale. So Buster Screen is out of concussion protocol. He was a full go at practice today, as were Andre Roberts. For, uh, he was listed earlier for a foot. James Carpenter, shoulder, full practice, full participant. Isaiah Crowell, full participant. And Leonard Williams with that back injury, full participant. 
So that's the injury situation. But the receiver, the receiver situation is is now it's just insane at this point. It really is. You, you know, I talked all off season about how great it was. The team had that because you had Robbie, Curse, Quincy, Pryor, Peak, and believe me, Peak. Peak's nothing to write home about, but as a fifth guy, I feel like he's got you know the tools you can work with to to be a guy. If you get a matchup on a you know a safety or a third or fourth corner, he might be able to make a play. Of course, he had one target last week. Ball bounces off his chest for an interception, so he didn't get it done. But so of the four guys, the reasons that you know I've been so optimistic and bullish on this receiving core: Anderson, Inunua, Pryor and curse and now Anderson's out well possibly out I, I would I would imagine he's out Quincy is out Terrell Pryor has been released and Jermaine curse Jermaine curse was targeted twice this week two times that's inexcusable as 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 decimated as this receiving core is and as much as they were as much as they were hurt as much as guys were dinged up I don't know how you go into that game and you throw the ball to Jermaine Curse twice. One week after, he was targeted 10 times and had nine catches for nine, four yards. I, I don't get that at all. I really don't. And the Terrell Pryor thing, let's talk about the Terrell Pryor situation. So Terrell Pryor comes to the Jets uh, with a bit of a reputation as a guy who's a, a not the best locker room guy. He didn't last in Oakland where, you know, he played quarterback and then he transitioned during some during an offseason, went to Cleveland, took him a couple years, finally had a big year and over 1,000 yards with Cleveland. And Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns let him walk. He leaves Cleveland. And then he goes to Washington where he lasts a year. And then he comes to the Jets and they cut him after week six. And the reason they give is that he's got a groin injury. This this is a guy who was on pace for 600 yards, maybe five touchdowns. He had a touchdown easy the last couple of weeks. So he was building a little bit of chemistry with Sam Darnold. So maybe, you know, maybe he starts seeing some more targets because he's starting to produce, get in the end zone, made some plays. And then you cut him because he's going to be – he's going to miss a week or two. What, have you ever – can you think of a time that you've seen that before? Where an NFL team – especially, again, Inun was hurt. Guys are dinged up. The guy's producing. He's not making a ton of money. And you release him because he's going to miss one or two weeks. I mean, you you have inactive guys every week. There's no reason he couldn't be one of them. There are other guys you could let go. Okay, and I hate to keep bringing up his name because I like the guy, but Justin Burris, when was the last time he played a snap? He's been a healthy scratch several times. You could have said, look, we need a roster spot to bring up a receiver. So we're going to go ahead and let Burr. They're carrying eight cornerbacks right now. 
I know a couple of them are dinged up, but they're carrying eight. Derek Jones, Rashard Robinson, we haven't seen those guys. You have enough healthy corners that you would have been able to cut Justin Burris and and still add Deontay Burnett or whatever receiver you wanted to bring in. So they released Terrell Pryor. They say, uh, you know, possibly we might bring him back in a couple weeks when he's all healed up. And now, now they're still the Jets are worse off at receiver than than they were when they let him go. And he's posting videos on Twitter of himself running routes and catching footballs. Help me understand. And, and, and his locker, according to Dennis Wozniak of the AP, Twelfthlier's locker is still intact at the facility. So that's the only aspect of this whole situation that makes you think, oh, maybe the Jets are being truthful. Maybe they really might bring him back. Because everything else about the situation screams, we don't want this guy. We want him out of our locker room. We're going to go to the phones real quick. We got a caller calling in. Caller, thanks for calling in Jet Nation Radio. What do you got for us? Yeah, I think I, I, as far as Terrell, man, I don't I don't think this is like a locker room issue or anything like that. I think it's just you know there's not a high demand for Terrell prior, and it's not just be, it's not because he's just like a really bad player. It's just he's just not a refined wide receiver. It's a guy who changed position. There's a lot of things as far as being a skill guy and competing every day that he's just not going to be good at. So he's not a high priority. So they look at him like, okay, maybe we can just sit him out for a while and, and get him back later uh, with no no fear of anybody else wanting him. So it's not really – I don't think this is a mismanagement thing. I think this is just the, the stock of Terrell Pryor is not very, you know, high. When you go back to that, that flinching moment, like I know a lot of people made a big deal about that, but when you mm-hmm. think about that in terms of the day-to-day receivers against corners and all of that and that culture, when you grow up as a quarterback, man, it's hard to get in there with those dogs every day and kind of take on that culture. So Terrell, as great as athlete as he is, he's just not a really, really good wide receiver. And when you got a young quarterback who you're trying to train up, you, you need people to run precise routes at least. And, you know, he's not going to do that. He's not going to be shorthanded. And there's no knock against Terrell. Hell, how many people can switch positions in the NFL, man? That's a hard thing to do. So, I don't think this is a panic move or or anything like that. I just think just overall the organization and many other organizations, just they just don't value Terrell Pryor. That's, that's saying he didn't work hard to, you know, at least be, to make the change and all of that. It's just, you know, it's, it's just not that good, I, I, man. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't, you know. Well, a couple things. I, some some of the stuff I agree with, others I, I disagree with. I'll, I'll, first of all, yes, to, to switch positions, to go from being a quarterback to a receiver, and you put up a thousand yard season. I mean that that's incredible. I I don't know that I've seen mm-hmm. that in my in my life as a fan. You know, maybe guys that convert, you know, before they get to the pros. But this guy was in the pros for a few years trying to make it as a quarterback before he made the switch. Um, and he did put up a thousand yeah. yards a couple years ago with the Browns with some with some not so great quarterbacks. So he has been productive. Um, but at the same time, my biggest thing, I understand what you're saying. There's not a huge market for him. But there should be a market for him with the Jets because the guy, you know, like I said, he had touchdowns in consecutive weeks, and they are they are decimated at the receiver position. I mean, you're at a time where, they, you know, they just signed. You bring one guy up, you bring in Deontay Burnett from the practice squad, 
Then you have to go out and you sign Rashard Matthews. So they're looking for bodies, despite the fact they have a guy who's been there since camp throughout the season and was just starting to play well. Like I said, touchdowns in a couple weeks in a row, you know, some big catches. It kind of like beggars can't be choosers. That's the way I look at it. Now, if you could tell, if we're sitting here right now and Robbie Anderson and Quincy Newen and Jermaine Curse and everybody's healthy, it makes a little more sense. Um, the, yeah. the, the odd, the odd thing is though, that with them saying they they'll entertain the thought of bringing him back, um, but they're not going to do it. They're not going to look at it till next week. And like I just said, right now today they are worse off than the day they let him go. And he's putting up videos of himself catching balls and running routes. And they're still sitting there saying, nah, what, I, I, the only reason I'm not saying right now the Jets are completely, you know, blowing smoke at this point is because the guy's locker is still intact in the facility. So maybe it's a legitimate right. thing. It, it's just a very weird circumstance. I can't remember the last time a guy who was really, because of injuries, probably your number two or three receiver is released for a week or two. Because, I mean, they're, in all honesty, and, and again, this is what, what brings in the, the locker room question, um, like we saw, we saw the Colts and Andrew Luck and how his receivers couldn't hold on to a ball. If you look at the Tennessee Titans right now, they can't score a point. Like you would think, hey, look, we can bring in a six four six five guy who runs a sub four four. He may not be great, but if we get the ball in his hands, he might make something happen. So I don't completely disagree. No, no, but no, 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 It's no, just I, a weird I, no, situation. I, I you, right, I, I think you you raised a great point in that. But I, I would say this: if you go to the all twenty two and talk to people who really you know know this stuff well and really can watch games and really grade guys out, because I, I wouldn't say I got that skill. I'm, I'm not. I'm a fan, but I don't have that ability. I think we'd find out that scoring touchdowns, that, that's the cool part. But if those guys are grading them out throughout the game, how many assignments did he miss? Uh, is he blocking well? Uh, is he running the right – like, I think, I think those touchdowns cover up a lot of things that weren't going so well, and that's why they were willing to let him walk away. And, you know, you're a Jets fan. You know the majority of people lost money last week because everybody believed Javon Kirst was going to get a big, you know, workload mm-hmm. here and he gets mm-hmm. a donut, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you're right. They, they're decimated at the position, and the fact that they're willing to do this, I, I think that just speaks volumes about his play. And, you know, it's no knock on him, man. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I, again, I don't disagree. I mean, when he when he came back a couple years ago and he had that 1,000-yard season with Cleveland, I, I everybody was shocked by that. I remember seeing the, the offseason, yep. you know, the Instagram post and the Twitter post of him working out with other receivers. I think Randy Moss might have been there. And you just kind of look at it and laugh and be like, this guy is not going to go from quarterback to legitimate receiver. And, um, and again, yeah, I get that. I get that there have been some issues, some concerns with his route running. Everyone knows about the issue with the, the play in Miami where he didn't finish his route and the ball got intercepted. Um, I've, I've taken a look at him on the all 22 a couple times. And there are plays where you feel like he, I mean, the, the other thing, the other part of it, because I remember this criticism of him in training camp um, where some people said, Oh, you know, he's not rounding off his routes. He's not as sharp as you would like. It, the, six four six five, man. It, it's a lot tougher to run a sharp route than it is for a guy like Julian Edelman. You know, where you got those those small, quick strides. Um, you got those long mm-hmm. gazelle legs. It's hard. It's hard to snap off a, you know, to, to run a sharp slant or a, or a dig route and not and not kind of have your your motion, you know, not be so deliberate in your motion. So there will be some issues there with a guy yeah, that size. And, and if corners can read you well and run your routes for you at a certain point, because like mm-hmm. you said, your stride is so deliberate, you're not fooling anybody coming in and out of your cuts. It can be a problem, especially when you got a young quarterback who you're trying to bring along, and like you don't need everybody else making mistakes around this young guy. You need everybody to, you know what I mean? Assignments yep. need to be correct. 
So yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, way, like man. I said, it's it, it's a very jet yeah. thing. It's very weird. Um, that, that you know they're still hanging on to his stuff. But what what else you got? Any other questions? Any other topics? Uh, no, I, I will say this. Uh, Darnold is never as bad as his bad game, and never as good as his good game. I think people need to understand this is a really young guy, and you're trying to get him to operate in the NFL. Uh, the good thing about him is he's at least risk-averse because it would be easy for a young quarterback to come in and just keep trying to lob bombs to Robbie Anderson down the field. And and Darnold has at least shown situational awareness to where he's not, you know, taking those crazy risks. So hopefully they keep bringing him along slow. slow. I, I wish they had started McNown, uh to start the season and then brought Darnold in halfway. I, I didn't think it was a good idea to just put everything on the kid, but – you know he's coming along, man, and, and people need to be patient. Yeah, he is, and I think I think by and large fans understand he's a 21 year old kid. We've all heard, you know, it's been repeated a million times. Youngest starting quarterback of the Super Bowl era. So I, I think uh, you know 99 percent of fans are still fine with the way things are going. I personally, I think this week, I think this last week against the Vikings, you know, people pointed to uh, all the drops the receivers had. You know, four, five, six drops, but he still even if even if those balls are caught. He still was at about a 50% completion rate. Um, he did make some mistakes. He over A lot of passes sailed on him. How much of it was the wind? How much of it was the cold? Um, I did on the all-22. I saw you know a couple of deep balls where he tried to force a ball into double, double coverage where he had somebody open underneath. But listen, it, it, he's 21. There's going to be mistakes. You, you know, you could, you could pick apart film. You could find any quarterback in the NFL making mistakes and not seeing an open guy. Um, so I'm, I'm not dogging yep. on Sam Darnold. I just I think some fans are 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 so in love with the fact that we finally have a quarterback that a lot of people are very protective of him. And I've had people get really upset with me when I've criticized him. And I just said, look, I'm not ripping him. I'm just saying what I see. Like he's a perfect example of an yeah. open receiver down the field. Either doesn't see him or overthrows him. It's a mistake. It happens. You know, and everyone wants to jump to his defense, and it's, it's, there's no need. No, no one's attacking him or saying he's terrible. Or is it, anyone who's saying he's a bad pick right now is a moron. Like he's. 21 years old, seven games in, like chill out. Um, but you know, but, but one, one big thing. And, and I said it a few weeks ago, and we saw it happen against Denver. Um, if they want to get these, unlo- if they want to unload these boxes and get some of these defenders to back off, he's got to start hitting on some of these throws. You know, we overthrew Robbie on a deep ball again this week. And uh, again, completed 42%. If you give him credit for the six drops, he still only completed 50%. And that's just not going to cut it. But uh, thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate yeah, you listening. Well, and well, uh, well, hope- can I can I say this one? Sure. The four, the forty two is a good thing in this sense. They're not doing the offense with training wheels and just giving them one read oh, on the one side of the field and throwing absolutely. short dink and dunk stuff and, and kind of making it an artificial, uh, you know, artificial stat stat uh, pilot compiling. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's compiling garbage stats. He, yep. He's playing grown man football. So yeah, it's gonna be bad sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for calling in. All right, man. Take care. So, yeah, look, that's something I was going to address during the show, Sam Darnold's play. Um, it wasn't good. He was bad this week. All right? Now, listen, and everyone's, I keep hearing that, you know, now this case, this week it'll be more valid because he doesn't have Robbie Anderson. But last week, Sam Darnold had Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, and Chris Herndon at tight end. Now, you can make the case that that trio right there, those three guys, Better than what Josh McCown had most of last year. Because Josh McCown had Anderson, Curse, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. 
And I'm, I'm ready to say it. Chris Herndon's a better player. I took a wait-and-see approach. I said I thought he could be. He's a better blocker. He's not, having, he's not a seven yards per catch guy like Austin Zafarian Jenkins was. He's actually making plays down the field. He's a bigger threat than ASJ was. Now, Bilal Powell, of course, was knocked out of that game. I was going to touch on that later. Discuss it, just touch on that briefly, actually. What, what, what sounded like terrible news turned out to be slightly better. Um, Bilal Powell was knocked out of the game. Helmet to helmet hit with Anthony Barr. No flag, of course. Um, and Todd Bowles came out a couple days ago, said it was a career-threatening injury. Possible Powell would never play again. Uh, but now saying it's more more in line with the injury Quincy Inunua had last year. And I do expect a full recovery. He's in the last year of his deal. Probably won't be back with the Jets. Wouldn't mind if he was. But getting back to what I was saying. So Sam Darnold, Anderson, Curse, Herndon. And depending on which tight end mix they had in there, you know, whether it was Leggett. Um, didn't see a lot of him. Yes, Eric Tomlinson had a drop. I get it. But it's not like he was out there playing with, you know, Clyde Gates. And, and you know, uh uh, Kellen Davis. Like he, he had three good targets. Three guys who can catch the ball. So completing 42% of your passes, and like I said, let's say 50. We'll pretend all the drops were catches because I know people, that's what people are going to say. Oh, 42%, but there were so many drops. Fine. Give them the drops. Give them those six completions. I counted six during the game. I, I read somewhere they had four drops. I counted six. Neil Sterling had a terrible drop. Tomlinson had a terrible drop. Kroll had a to- terrible drop. Those rolls off the top of my head. The Robbie Anderson drop, I mean, that ball was ripped out of his hands from an you know, awkward position, guy behind him. I wouldn't call that a drop. But the, basically what I'm saying here is all this talk about how, well, he only completed 42%, but he had nobody to throw the ball to. He had three viable targets. How, how, many, how many good targets does a guy need? And I get, like I said, I get he's 21. I get he's going to make mistakes. I get he's not perfect. I understand all that. But if we're going to evaluate the team honestly, I mean, take everything for what it is. Again, with the, oh, he's, he's running for his life. He's run- yeah, he, he was pressured a few times. It happens to every quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. Matter of fact, I looked at the numbers after the game. I think Donald was pressured 11 times. Cousins was pressured 19 times. So let's get off this running for his life garbage. It's something people anticipated before the years, and they just keep repeating it now. If getting pressured sometimes equals running for your life, then every quarterback in the NFL is running for their life. And a lot, and on, on a lot of those plays, when I went back and watched, Minnesota was rushing five, six guys. They had the numbers. You know, you got Crowell back there trying to block. Or, or Trenton Cannon trying to block. Guys are going to get through, and they're going to pressure the quarterback. But Sam Darnold against the Vikings was very bad. That, I mean, yes, he did some good things. And no, I'm not trashing the guy. No, I'm not saying he's a bust. And no, I'm not saying he shouldn't be out there. I'm saying he's a young quarterback who's going to have ups and downs, and that game was very much a down. And anyone who's telling themselves otherwise is lying to themselves. going to happen. Good days, bad days. Not the end of the world. So we talked about Terrell Pryor. We mentioned 
that Deontay Burnett was added to the roster. He uh, he had himself a catch for eight yards. Hopefully he gets a little bit more involved this week. But uh, the other big move, well, potentially big move, and and really this is a good one because, you know, with with Pryor being being let go, not you know it's not that not, not that easy at the point in the season. If you let a if you let a a guy go, one of your stars, and Shar Matthews brought in and signed, and he might be just that. Had a weird situation in Tennessee. He got let go at his own request because he wasn't involved enough. Had several tryouts. This is a guy who had, let's over the last three years, over 2,000 yards, like 2,400 yards, 17 touchdowns, 15 yards a catch. Like that's not that's pretty damn good for a 29 year old guy that you pick up at you know six week mark. And we're not talking about a street free agent who's been sitting there when you know what he's got left in the tank. This is a guy who was on an NFL roster and just for whatever reason got phased out of that offense. And now he's a Jet. <laughs> he might be the damn number one receiver this week. The way things are going, these injuries are insane. So now you got Rashard Matthews, Jermaine Curse. Again, Chris Herndon. Herndon. Herndon might be heavily targeted this week. And really, if you know what? If, if I'm Jerry Bates, th- this is the week to, to get Jordan Leggett involved. Get Jordan Leggett on the damn field. Two tight end sets, split him out wide. Put him in the slot. Put Leggett in the slot. Herndon out wide. Herndon, move these guys around. From what we've seen from Leggett, it's been very limited, but the guy catches the ball thus far. He had a catch a few weeks ago. I forget which game it was. I want to say it was one of the blowout losses. A ball along the sidelines, thrown out of bounds, so no one talked about it. But he made a hell of a catch on the ball. I mean, I saw that play, and what this guy's just, I mean, these are the hands this guy showed in college, and it's carrying over. You know, sometimes you get a guy like Jason Morrow who catches a million balls in college, and then he can't catch a cold in the pros. Leggett, when he's been targeted, he's done a nice job. So to me, all these receivers down, get Leggett involved. Let's see, let's see a little bit of Trenton Cannon. You saw him on that wheel route, right, 35-yard pickup. And then he had a couple, a couple catches in garbage time. But he finished with 60-some yards. Not a bad day for him. He's probably going to get the ball a bit out of the backfield as a runner. Because let's face it, you know, as we mentioned, Bilal Powell's down. They didn't add another back. They're down to Crowell, who, who's supposedly at 100% after having a foot injury. But Cannon, if Crowell keeps running the way he has, you know, Crowell, I see people talking about his stats, where he ranks in the league and his average yards per carry. and his total, But that was on the back of one game. He hasn't been that good, and it's not completely on him. This offensive line is not that good when it comes to run blocking. But give a guy like Trenton Cannon, give him some carries. He's the type of guy, you get it, you give him a crease, he might give you a big play. Now, again, Crowell might too. He has done it. But, you know, let's see some of these kids. Let's see what they can do. See the back. Yeah, he's raw back there. He's work. But, again, small school guy. I just think the Jets would be doing themselves a big favor if they get Cannon involved, get the tight ends involved. And and can we please, you know, again, get Jermaine Curse involved in the offense again because two targets, it, it just isn't going to cut it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know if it was the play calling. I don't know if it was Darnold's decision-making. But for whatever reason, he just, uh, Darnold wasn't into looking that way. So big game this week. 
We'll talk about some of the matchups. Akeem Hicks off that interior. Uh, and I do apologize. I printed out a copy of the Bears injury report and don't see don't have it with me right now. I have the Jets injury report. Don't have the Bears injury report. So if any of these guys are on the injury report, my mistake. I apologize. We do know Cleo Mack is questionable. The Bears might hold him out. And if I'm the Bears, hold him out. Come on, Chicago. You don't need him. Sit him down. Sit down, Cleo. Take the day off. Um, but Kyle Fuller at corner, one of the better cover corners in the league. I mean, they have some good corners there. Prince of Makamara and Kyle Fuller, that's that's not a bad tandem. Bryce Callahan's not a bad corner. They have some and that's the problem. They have a lot of they have a few corners who do a really nice job in pass coverage and the Jets don't have a lot of healthy receivers. So it's going to be it's going to be challenging for that reason. So we'll see uh we'll see how that works out. But uh it you you figure it's not going to be all that favorable for the Jets and that's why you know, if you're going to get some plays, you you probably have a better chance against the safeties than you do the corners. And the safeties can cover too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is this is a good defense. They're good up front. Obviously, they'll take a step back if Khalil Mack's not in there. But if I'm the Jets, I'm going to try to get the get get the tight ends matched up on the safeties and linebackers, and maybe not look so much at the corners. If Robbie Anderson is 100% and he's a go, which I doubt, then of course I'm I'm willing to give Robbie Anderson a shot against anybody. There's not a corner in the league that I wouldn't throw to, uh, that I, you know that, that would stop me from throwing to Robbie Anderson. He's shown that he can beat the best in the business, so no, uh, no hesitation there. But Akeem Hicks on that interior, lining up against the likes of Brian Winters and and uh, and James Carpenter and whoever's at center. I mean, that's obviously going to be a a big question mark. You know, who, who's if Spencer Long can't go, and I would imagine he's not going to because of how poorly he's played. If it's Dozier, I, I think it's going to be Harrison. If I had to guess, I would say Todd Bowles goes with Harrison, gives him the start over long, and uh, and Harrison wasn't that great last year. He really wasn't. So if you're going to line him up on the inside, uh, if you're going to line him up at center against some of these interior defenders for the Bears, that could get that could get a little bit ugly. So that, that Bears watching. Who's, who's at center for the Jets? And how do they perform? Because that's going to be that's going to be an issue early and often if they're able to get pressure up the middle against Sam Darnold uh, on offense. Th- yeah, you know, I'll tell you, Mitch Trubisky. I saw I saw a number on him the other day. Is one of the lowest quarterback ratings in the NFL thrown against man coverage. He to me, he, you know, he had the one big game with the six touchdowns. I. I from what I've seen of him, I haven't been very impressed. He can he can run a little bit. He can run better than you might expect. The the, the production hasn't been there. The ball the ball coming out of his hands. I had the opportunity that that was a nightmare scenario. Uh, for those of you in the UK, you would know this. For those of you in the states, you would not. Um, but similar to the U.S. blackout laws, uh, Jets weren't on TV this week because of because uh, it was televised locally. Or so sorry, they weren't on TV. They weren't on the NFL Game Pass which is how I watch the games. And so I had to go out to a, uh, went out to a, a, a bar up at the, uh, the, the air force base up here. Cause they do the, the local games. And there were about seven people in the bar, maybe eight, me and a bunch of Patriot fans. So that was nauseating to hear uh, a bunch of Patriot fans. Not, not one Boston accent among the group. Funny enough. I think I heard a little bit of Idaho, maybe some Montana, um, you know, the, the Patriot heartland. Anyway, uh, so 
Yeah, glanced over a few times. And Trubisky made some plays, but all in all, not not an impressive guy uh, for a guy who's in year two. You know, is he turning a corner? Maybe he is. Maybe, you know, that, that's obviously his most recent game. It's the most recent I've seen him play. Maybe he has been getting better. But from what I saw of him last year and a little bit I watched him this season, wasn't really blown away. Uh, and I really think I really think if if Mo Claiborne plays at the level he's played most of this season, and if Daryl Roberts comes out and plays the way he did last week, and if the Bears do decide to bench Khalil Mack, I think that might be the only way the Jets have any chance in this game. And even then, I'm not sure. Um, I am not picking the Jets this week. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think they're going to I think you know Chicago running backs, whether it's Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. I think these guys are going to have some opportunities late in the game because the Jets defense is going to spend a lot of time on the field. So I'm, I'm for this one, unfortunately, I'm going with a Bears blowout. I'm going to say 34-14 Chicago. Hopefully we see some good things from Sam Darnold along the way. Uh, hopefully he's, he's got to be better than last week because that really, really was ugly. Can't afford to have another performance like that. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how Darnold does. Hostile environment, tough place to play. Probably gonna do some, you know, some more cold weather, which uh, which did, wasn't uh, didn't do him any favors this week against the Vikings. But that'll do it for us tonight, Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll be back in just a few days. We will be back Tuesday night, hopefully talking about a Jets upset win. I think they, I want to say they're seven or eight point underdogs. Um, I would look for the Bears to cover, but hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully the Jets find a way to pull it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. And have a great night.